Welcome to the Millennial Manifestos. I'm Flynn. And I'm Amy. And we are going to be your guides. And it'd be taken on a <laughs> spiritual journey today. Maybe, maybe not so much. So for the topic that we wanted to chat about today is the main thing we'll be talking about is effective communication. And the reason that we started having a chat about this particular topic or wanted to talk about it is we found ourselves in our kitchen a few weeks ago having a really quick discussion about effective communication. And it became pretty apparent to me that while we didn't necessarily have different views on effective communication, when we said the term effective communication, we had two different ideas of what that actually looked like and what the outcomes of that were. And so I thought it'd be a great opportunity just to express that in a longer format and have that yeah. discussion a little bit further around what is effective communication. Yeah. No, it's definitely a topic that, again, it leads on from uh, meaningful communication. So there's one element of communication uh, and then there is, I guess, in a way, effective. Um, what is effective? What isn't? What mm. are the barriers to potentially some people feeling like they can't effectively communicate mm. or effectively receive a message? It's a very interesting point, the receiving a mm -hmm. message. And I guess it has so many different um, aspects to it, especially with the effective communication and knowing how to communicate with others. I know that in terms of like schooling and whatnot, we learned English, history, maths, all of those kind of things. But I don't think we spent a lot of time actually learning how to listen to other people and then also to speak in a way that allows us to be heard by other people as well. And I would almost argue that it's probably one of the most important skills that you could basically learn in your whole entire life mm, absolutely and it kind of also reminds me too of uh last year i did a three-day intensive course on non-violent communication mm, and that's really yeah. learning how to communicate particularly in relationships so not only romantic partnership but in you know family dynamics there are ways of communicating that uh you know point the finger and you always do this you never do that and the ability to actually communicate, hey, I am feeling, taking responsibility for your own feelings. I am feeling this, etc. And it's it was so fascinating to learn that over like a three-day intensive because mm. there were so many things I had to unpack or like almost were like, I don't know what to do here. What were this some of those things that you found yourself unpacking? I guess it's in the way of listening to other people uh, and really trying to decipher what are they actually saying or am I just interpreting this through a lens of defensiveness? And so being able to say, this is what I'm hearing. Am mm. I on the right track? Because often when we listen to people, we're either, you know, coming up with what we're going to say back to them in our heads mm -hmm. um, or we are being like, that hurts, that hurt me. But if we can try and take a little step mm. back from that and really just be like, you know what, I'm going to put aside my stuff for the moment and really just try to make sure I'm understanding correctly and I'm hearing correctly what this other person is mm -hmm. communicating to me, that really stops a lot of conflict because it's coming from a space of I want to understand you and comes back to one of my favourite quotes, which is uh, first seek to understand, then to, un then to be understood. Yeah, it's a powerful one. I've heard that before and I think it is very much um, something that really helps people go forward and I think there's a, so much, so many, so much literature out there and all these other things about helping people communicate, like a really big one that gets thrown around constantly is like how to win friends and influence people. Um, that kind of comes back to that same dynamic of not just understanding what it is that you want to say. Mm -hmm but actually having some empathy and under, and having a thought for how it will be received mm -hmm. as well. Because if a great example of this is say you have someone or maybe employee or whatever who isn't doing something the way that you would potentially like them to do it. If you come at it and you go, hey, I don't like the way that you're doing this. It's not right. Do it this way. I think straight away, just on that first half sentence of that, people will get defensive mm. and then go, oh, this person's just like coming at me. And so the brain shuts down. And when we're defensive, we can't see room for correction, I think. Mm -hmm. I know with me personally, like if you start getting defensive, you stop listening to the other person. And so if you're trying to communicate with someone who's now defensive, 
they're not going to hear anything mm. that came after that. Even if you um, try to put something nice at the end of it to kind of like make it swallow a bit better, it's never going to land because they just stopped listening straight off the bat. And so um, understanding that effective communication, like in that particular instance, it wasn't effective because the message was lost because the person got shut down. I think that's how they talk about a lot in how to win friends and influence people is understanding how something will be received so that then you can tailor your message in a way that makes bypasses some of these natural instincts to shut down um, and allows people to truly listen to what it is that you want to put forward mm. um, and then move from there together, which I think is pretty cool. Something that I wanted to know though, like just going back to um, the nonviolent communication piece, what sparked you actually wanting to go and do that cause? I wanted to do it for a long time and I think it just came from my people-pleasing tendencies and my inability to be in conflict. Mm. Like I literally cringe. I'm actually getting better at it now mm. with practice, but a lot of the times I, I'm so conflict avoidant, like mm -hmm. it physically makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And we could trace that back to my childhood and we won't go there today. <laughs> um, but it's interesting how that sort of stuff plays out into your adult life and it's almost a fear of – if I was to be confronted with something, would I have the the strength and the inner power to speak up for myself? And sometimes I don't know if I could, especially, you know, in my teenage years, in my mm -hmm. early adulthood, I just don't think I had that confidence. So by being able to be given a skill in which I can both understand other people and the way that they're communicating and not take it personally, mm -hmm. but also ways that I can feel uh, is a really... Uh, effective but also a kind and compassionate way to communicate with others especially when I'm wanting to express how I'm feeling maybe whether it's I need to bring up something that's upset me you mm -hmm. know in a, in, a, in a partnership dynamic I feel like with those tools and skills on how to do that in a way that is going to be better received by another person mm -hmm. it gives me that little safety barrier or that safeguard knowing that I'm doing this in the best possible way that's going to be the least amount of suffering for both myself and the other person. Did that doing that course and um, going through that? Did that? Do you feel like that gave you more confidence in being able to come to a conflict resolution? Oh, look, I don't think I'm perfect at it, but I definitely think it's it's given me some awarenesses around there's different ways to approach uh, different scenarios, and I guess, and it's. Like I'm always like I'm always learning and growing through yeah. this world. I never claim to be mm -hmm. like a hundred percent. You know, I am the master of everything because that's just not how life is. And sometimes we'll like go into situations being like, "Yeah, I'm so this or that," and then you come out of it and you're like, "Actually, that's not how I actually showed up." And that's fine because again, we're human. Um, but I think it it it's given me a, a little bit more of a sense of I can go into this situation with a bit more tact. Okay. Yeah. So just looping back to the question, do you feel like it's made you more confident? <laughs> communication, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you feel um, like it's made you more confident to actually try to resolve conflict when it's presented to you? I don't know if I put myself in enough conflict situations, if I'm being totally honest. Really? That's so interesting because no. I think that some people, and maybe this might be something as well, is the fact that conflict isn't shouting matches like yes it is shouting matches and all that kind of stuff but conflict is every single day interactions with other people mm -hmm. like if you think about it you go to work and during that day people will have expectations of you or ask you to do things which may necessary may not necessarily be in a line with what you want to do in that day mm -hmm. that is also that. conflict um, and so understanding when I talk about like conflict resolution and being able to um, engage in conflict, I think about that, like how, how people show up in the uh, day to day okay. and are better able to navigate their day to day in a way that allows them to do the best that they absolutely want to do okay. without like a firestorm of just yeah. being an asshole in the workplace. Like some people achieve a really good some people are able to go from the beginning of their day to the end of their day doing only the things that they want to do, which is great for them and their productivity, but they tend to do it in a way that leaves like a scorched earth approach to it, which means that everyone else that's tried to engage with them has been just completely knocked back in a 
non-friendly way and those are the people mm. that you tend to notice are not – people aren't stoked when those people are on their teams or on their projects or okay. want to engage with that person. Yeah. But there's definitely people that you see that go through the workday with grace that manage to kind of like respond to people, acknowledge people, make them feel heard, mm. but sidestep work or put things into timelines that suit them. I would dare say that's setting boundaries as opposed to conflict, but maybe it's breaking it down to a real macro level. Well, I think the conflict comes from you set a boundary. Mm -hmm. How do you articulate that boundary to someone else? That's the conflict. To me anyway. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm I'm glad you did bring that up because, yeah, me being someone who I feel is in doesn't really voluntarily put myself into situations that I would say are conflict or when I see them I'm kind of like don't want anything to do with them Mm -hmm. but I know that's that's just not life in terms of there's always going to be someone who has a differing opinion um, and especially when you know we're working on something together whether it's in the workplace or whether you know I guess in a team partnership dynamic friendship dynamic Mm. they're always going to be two two people who might have slightly different views or opinions on certain things and it's about how can we see the common ground of each other? We don't have to agree with each other. We How we be, be able to understand and put ourselves in that person's shoes. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of it comes down to and being able to choose the language that you want to yes. and be able to move forward on, which kind of loops back perfectly into effective communication. And I know that prior to this podcast, I've done a little bit of research on trying to understand a little bit more about other people's definitions yeah. of what effective communication is and see what kind of things um, are out there and I came across this really interesting um, analogy I think it was Warren Buffett that actually said it but ineffective communication is like winking at a girl in the dark (laughs) yeah yeah it's a kind of pointless it's completely (laughs) pointless and so that to me sums it up in an absolute nutshell and Mm. really sums up why I think it's so damn important for people because yeah, if you are trying to achieve an outcome whether that is through your own personal thing or you're trying to achieve a work outcome or whatever um, if you can't get people to understand what it is you're doing and even more importantly get on board with what it is you're doing you don't go anywhere you can have the absolute best idea in the world but if you can't articulate it or say it in a way that makes other people interested in it's going nowhere do you feel like in being able to communicate something that you're interested in and you're passionate about and you're wanting to share that with another person the fact that some people might feel like they struggle with being able to communicate that in a way that keeps people interested i think everyone struggles with that do you to a certain just degree? feel like it might be something that they're not super into or they don't super uh, they don't have uh, like that really burning desire and passion. and um, That's how I sort of uh, interpret that. It's like if someone's saying something to you and it's not that interesting, maybe it's a sign of that individual not actually being um, that into what they want to talk about. I couldn't be m- I couldn't disagree more on that point. Okay. I'll even loop back to what we talked about Tell this morning. <laughs> so this morning you did an Instagram live. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm getting called out. <laughs> so this morning you did an Instagram live and you brought up the fact that at the end of the um, Zoom, non-attacking, um, yeah. at the end of the Zoom, some really interesting facts about um, what people can do with uh, meditation and divergent thinking and how being able to focus on multiple things then leads people to be able to have, um, I guess what I took away from it, more lateral thinking and being able to brainstorm more effectively, be able to be more creative, mm-hmm. have these really positive um, outcomes. And it's something that I know you're passionate about. I know I'm interested in and the interest is there. But in that particular way that the story was told, I found myself getting lost in it a little bit and had nothing to do with your passion with it it was just the structure of the story Mm -hmm. and like there's a reason why uh, movies are structured in a certain way and there's way there's reasons that stories tend to be structured in a very similar format Um, especially if you think about like Dan Harmon's story wheel or you've got the hero's journey is the most popular one Mm -hmm. Um, there's a reason that these things exist because there are effective ways they are effective ways of communicating a story Mm -hmm. Um, 
and that kind of comes back to that. So my point is there's, you can be really passionate about something um, and just not know how to say it in a way that makes other people passionate or engaged in it. Mm. And so like the, just looping back to uh, around the Instagram live, my suggestion for it was um, rather than talking about that particular statistic, and this is something I'm learning as well, is rather than just talking um, about the study, what this what was involved in the study and then the outcome of the study human beings actually we tend to prefer it i think anyway people can shoot me down for this but i think when we're being told about things we actually prefer to know what was what's the thing what was the outcome and then how did we get there so it's kind of like bringing the end to the beginning and then working back from that um, and so that in that particular instance it would be something like um, really interesting fact there's been some studies done in Denmark um, around divergent thinking and um, meditation and those studies found that people who were able to engage in this particular type of meditation were able to better think creatively better able to think laterally were able to brainstorm more effectively and the way that they found that was by doing these this type of meditation and this med- type of meditation involves looking at this and this it rem- it's reminding me a little bit of like hooks <laughs> it is with exactly marketing. like hooks <laughs> it is exactly like yeah. hooks the whole idea of hooks comes back to that same kind of thing where we are it's becoming more and more um, prevalent now hooks have always existed um, in copywriting and things like that but people are becoming more aware of them um, due to social media and i think it's because we're now being bombarded with every single day we're getting hit with more information than anyone else in history has ever been hit with mm. every day and it's getting bit more and more and more and so our brain is trying to determine what's what's important what's, what's important not. what's not important and, and so what's worth a distraction what's eh, next one exactly <laughs> and so that's why people are learning more about hooks because they want their content to be seen yeah. and so you've got to front end it in that two seconds or three seconds that you've got someone's quick attention before they can move their finger to do the next scroll mm. um why is it important to them real quick mm. and then you get them on the get them on the line and then you can earn their trust a little bit more by expanding upon that but the uh with social media especially the long slow documentary style cinematic introduction it's gone mm-hmm unless you've got audiences who are prepared for that kind of experience, which may be them engaging in a movie or something where they already know that they're going to be sitting down for two to three hours. Uh, So they're kind of on that journey where they'll let you get through that first kind of like five minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. But in a day to day, no. Is it a bit like how trailers these days for movies will have all like the juicy bits kind of in the trailer and then you're like, did I just see the whole movie but condensed form? So <laughs> like I think leave you at a cliffhanger, you know? <laughs> going off on a bit of a, a tangent here, but I guess um, leans <laughs> hey, into the things I'm interested in. It is, it is, does lean into the things I'm interested in. I actually had a, a um, conversation really briefly with our editor, Lindsay, um, about this same thing um, where... I think potentially, I don't know enough about it, but I think potentially that trailers are going in that direction because of that idea that we need to hook people in. Mm. But also I think it's just bad trailer making. Okay. Or just the movie is not good. And so there's not enough good stuff in it to draw stuff out. Um, But I think genuinely if if you've got a three-hour movie Mm. and you can't make a 60-second trailer that doesn't just give away all the good bits... It's a sign of what's to come. <laughs> Maybe you should rethink that movie. Yeah. Yeah. No offense to anyone who's made a movie like that because it's friggin' difficult to yeah. make a movie. So props to you for getting it out there. But yeah. yeah. Mm. Hey Flynn, I've just got my notes here. Cool. Um Get me I'm back one on of those track. I'm one of those no, I'm just one of those people who likes yeah. notes because uh, often I'll like I'll get to do something mm-hmm. and then I'll start talking and then yeah, we like a little bit of structure. Love um, it. We had this conversation prior and yeah. you were like, I want to go through the notes. And I was like, nah, I just want to <laughs> sit here, have the conversation and go on the journey. And I prefer I felt like it's done that pretty well. Yeah. So far. But now we've got to get back on track. Yeah, a okay. little bit. Bring it back in. So I wanted to share with everybody um, some of the things that I took down and 
one of those questions was, for me, what is ineffective communication? So mm-hmm. we're, I know we're talking about effective communication, but I think it's good to highlight for individuals, what do they feel like is an ineffect- ineffective? Let's go the opposite way. Okay, start with the negative. Love it. You just want to move the microphone in front of your mouth. Hold up. You're moving it away. Oh, God. Okay, I give up straight away. You just need to pull it that way a little bit more. We're going to cut this out, right? No. Yeah. No, that'll be right. We're cutting it out. Okay. <laughs> we are cutting it out. So, as I was saying, um, ineffective communication for me, I mm-hmm. think the thing that I get most frustrated by is sarcasm, right? Okay. And I know a lot of people use it as, you know, like sort of witty humour. Um, I'm not a fan of that. Uh, I guess another thing, an, effect, an effective way of communicating would be to lie, to not tell the truth. Um, and, then ex- mm. and then exaggerating too. Now... That thing about exaggerating is how would the other person know that you're exaggerating except for yourself? But I think sometimes yep. we can intuitively pick up on when this person is is saying all these claims and when I ask them more about it, it's sort of like they just brush over it or they give me surface level information back. So that makes me question as to whether what they're saying is entirely true. Okay. Mm. I think that's a good uh, way of determining whether someone knows what they're talking about or mm. not. The cerebral part of my brain is kicking in an overdrive here and I'm like, I question whether those things are ineffective communication tools because I guess it depends on your outcome Mm -hmm. and what it is that you're looking to achieve. I think a lot of people have achieved the outcome they're looking for quite effectively through lying um, Mm -hmm. about things. You can con artists, greatest example. You know, the guy actually sold the Eiffel Tower to someone in America, a scrap company. Yeah, wow. They said that I own the Eiffel Tower. We're getting rid of it. We don't like it anymore. We're going to scrap it down. We'll ship it across to you and you get it all as scrap. Cannot remember how much he sold it for, but they quite effective for him. Mm. I just think, what's the point in doing that? It just Making doesn't some make money. Any sense. Making some money, I guess. Oh, where's the integrity? I think with sarcasm, um, it, to me, it's it's like a passive-aggressive way of communicating. Mm-hmm. You're bitterly withholding the truth, even though there's an undertone to it. So the example that I wrote down there, um, it's so sarcasm is usually communicated when there is an undertone of, you should know how I feel, but I'm going to deflect and say one thing in a tone that doesn't match. Mm-hmm. So if someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm having a great time, you can kind of tell that the undertone of that is I'm actually not having a good time. Yeah. But I obviously don't feel comfortable to say, I feel really uncomfortable right now. I'm actually not having a good time. And I think it really comes from a, an ability to pe- perhaps um, not actually feel like you can speak up for yourself. And that's why mm-hmm. I think it makes me frustrated because I'm like, just tell me how you really feel. You don't have to put on this, this, um, this mask of like, it's not okay for me to say how I feel. It's like, no. If I was with someone and they were feeling really uncomfortable, rather than them brushing it off with humour or, you know, trying to be witty or funny or sarcastic, I'd rather them just tell me, hey, I feel uncomfortable right now or I'm not enjoying this or, hey, let's do something else. To me, that is an ineffective okay. way of communicating. And it's it's confusing for the, the listener, first of all. But once you start to be aware of it, you're like, I see what's going on here. And I just wish that you could feel like you could speak up for yourself. What do you you think about that? (laughs) Um, Yeah, look, I would probably agree that sarcasm in itself isn't probably the most effective form of communication, mainly due to the fact that it's so open to to the other person's interpretation. Mm. And so if someone doesn't actually understand it's sarcasm, then couldn't be less ineffective. It couldn't be more ineffective. Uh, like it just doesn't work whatsoever. Uh, I think a lot of people refer to sarcasm as like the lowest form of wit um, <laughs> for a lot of things. But yeah, it tends to, when you think to the times that you use sarcasm, it does tend to be to hide something else, whether a distaste of the person or um, not enjoying a circumstance, a mm-hmm. uh, range of other kind of things that people mask with just throwing sarcasm out there rather than actually addressing the root cause of their mm-hmm. concern. 
So, yeah, okay. I, I, I would agree with sarcasm definitely being an ineffective form of communication uh, mm. for those main reasons. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Because <laughs> I know that you did say that, uh, you know, when we first started dating that you you love using sarcasm. That mm. was something that you, you quite – um, was like, I feel like I'm a very sarcastic person. And I was like, really? I didn't really get that from you all that much. I don't know about that. Did I say that? I very specifically remember oh, you I'm not going to fight you on that one. Because I remember saying, <laughs> oh, you know, sarcasm really frustrates me because I think it's an ineffective way of communicating. It's like, just tell me how mm-hmm. you feel. And you're like, oh, I actually love sarcasm as a human. And I was like, okay, noted. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Well, expanding upon that, I probably... To think about it a little bit, I probably don't use sarcasm as a humor, more as just dry wit. I think which, that's different. Yeah, which is a yeah. bit more of a, I think that if it comes down to humor, and it's still an ineffective form of communication, because what I like to do is say one thing, but with the tonality of another thing. Mm. And so just just because of the main reason that it um, it jars people's senses, like say, for example, you deliver a joke but completely deadpan. Mm. It makes people kind of go, is that a joke? Is that yeah, not a joke? And you can slide. Um, I don't know. I think it's just that really wanting to just slide a joke in there that takes people a couple of seconds to realize it's a joke and then be like, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> um, other times, not so much. Rather just like blatantly drop the joke in there, mm. um, like dad jokes. But yeah, that's interesting. It's interesting you've gone down the route of sarcasm and humor um, for effective communication. It's not something that I thought about previously. I reckon it would be fascinating to have, you know, a bunch of comedians in a room with a bunch of psychologists mm. and then to really unpack, you know, oh, this is what they're doing right now. I just think that would be fascinating. I actually think. And you, and I don't know if you're going this way too, but um, a lot of uh, comedians, like they're actually not all, but a lot of them have a lot of sadness, and the I way think that that's they, true of all artists, yeah, the way that they really like, uh, I guess, express themselves is is to to come up with ways to make people laugh because mm-hmm. it ta- even if they're in pain, at least if they can make someone laugh for like five minutes, it's like I've made a difference in someone's life. Yeah. Hundred percent. I think a lot of people are drawn from that, or just the the drive to want to be have attention or be entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think artists, I can't remember the saying off the top of my head, but it's something like pain is art. Mm. And so a lot of people would believe that some of the best art, whether it be music, um, entertain entertainment, like physical entertainment, um, or anything else, even movies can be driven by some kind of pain that's happened to someone it unites us it's a it's a experience that we all have i think it's just a very strong experience that people have and so they're able to draw a lot of insight from it to Mm -hmm. then create something that's Mm -hmm. quite powerful that then people resonate with yeah Um, i think that's a big thing but jimmy carr i believe actually wrote a book about jokes and not just like a, a joke book but a joke a joke a book about jokes and why they work how they work uh, some of the oldest jokes that have ever existed um, some of those kind of things which i think would be super interesting Mm. um, which does delve into the psychology of things a little bit of like why do people find certain things um, funny and how do you structure jokes Mm. to make them funny yeah storytelling it is storytelling yeah 100 and you can get again living back to jimmy carr um he has a really good way that he likes to shorten a joke down to its absolute base necessities Mm -hmm. and then make like one sentence jokes. Um, They tend to just play on people's perception of certain words. Okay. Um, So you'll say a word and you think something's coming, but then you'll change it and changes the perspective of something. And then it leaves people slightly off kilter, but then that's the joke. Mm. And so I think that's an interesting um, approach to it. Absolutely. And I did the old research on uh, Dr. Google asking mm-hmm. for advice on what is effective communicating. Yep. To be honest, I got a bunch of responses talking about communication in the workplace, mostly like for leaders, which I was like, okay, I can see how that, that would be a thing. I think the main reason for that is potentially because it's easier to monetize yeah. that yep. um, rather than other. I had to go hunting down the route of um, TEDx talks mm. to go and find a bit more about um, effective communication um, outside of the work workplace, but honestly, I think people sh- people should start at the workplace. 
Mm. Yeah. You spend a lot of time there. <laughs> you sp- a lot of people will spend eight to ten hours a day mm. in that environment as compared to four hours and maybe two hours, maybe six hours at home mm. each day. That's so true. you spend more time there. Um, if you can't effectively communicate there, you're probably going to limit yourself in terms of the wages you can achieve because you can't articulate your value. Actually, this is a really good conversation. We are completely <laughs> going, going on a side. Literally yesterday, I was having a conversation with, which has been a bit of a running conversation with one of the assistants we work with, Ryan, and we were having a conversation about how to articulate your value because um, he recently increased his prices for assisting um, and he was telling me about oh i wanted to uh, I, i'm mindful that i don't want to negatively impact your business by increasing my rates and things like that um and i was like there's a younger guy so he's kind of like figuring things out as he goes and i was like look at the end of the day you just need to learn to articulate your value mm. and so it's like okay if you're going to do something like raise your rates and for him as a freelancer he can just raise his rates and then people the market will either either say i'll take it or I won't, but you can have a bit more of a direct control in it if you're able to better articulate that. And this directly relates to people who are employees, for sure. If you cannot articulate your value to your manager, the chances of you getting a pay rise or anything like that is now almost completely out of your hands and purely in the hands of other people Mm -hmm. because it's up if you can't articulate what your value is, then your manager or owner, the owner of the business or whoever else needs to figure out what your value is without your input. Mm-hmm. And so you are now literally placing your destiny into other people's hands. Um, and I think that's a really good use of um, effective communication is being able to actually understand what your own personal value is Mm -hmm. and more importantly put your empathetic hat on and go what do i offer the other person in terms of value Mm -hmm. that would make it more palatable to them that i get this promotion or this um, pay rise or this rate increase Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes you don't even need to change anything you don't actually need to offer more or do anything else. You just need to articulate what you're doing in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah, and is a value to them, is an asset to them. 100%. Makes their life easier. Yeah. All of the above. <laughs> 100%. And so yeah. I think like just to round that one out, in the example of Ryan, if you ever end up listening to this, it was um, the conversation I had with him over a couple of shoots was like, okay, well, you can either, there's a couple of ways that you could approach raising your rates and that's just send someone a message and go, hey, I've increased my rates to this. I don't know. You can throw some token thing in there about like inflation or the cost of living is increasing, which which it is. But as a another person, it's like if, if I don't have really strong empathy for him, why do I care about that? Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of harsh to say, but it's the nature of things. We're all out to feed ourselves and our family. And so it's like, okay, you can go about it that way. Or... You could flip it and be like, okay, what am I currently doing that adds value to the business? And so for Ryan, part of what he's doing is doing the setups of all of our lighting and stuff on the day for our shoots. Um, he's also shooting some behind the scenes. Um, and lately he's been coming up with questions to ask me on the shoot, which then forms into content for the business. And so for him, I was like, man, if you want to um, show value or, or rather articulate your value, when you come to a rate increase, for example, it'd be like, hey, I'm um, looking at increasing my rates to X and part of why I want to do this is so that I'm better able to offer you a, the service um, that I think you deserve mm-hmm. and the service that I want to be able to offer you for this rate is I'm going to be capturing behind the scenes for you on the shoot. I'm going to come to each shoot with 10 questions ready to go so that uh, when we get downtime and everything, I can make 10 pieces of content or at least film 10 pieces of content um, for you. And I'm also going to be able to set up the lighting and everything for you so that you can spend more time with the customer. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty friggin' good to me. I'm like, hell yeah. Mm. Um, and that's what he's doing anyway. And so it's just articulating that back in a way that the other person mm. um, makes sense to them. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure he's Please very don't glad. increase your rates anymore, Ryan. 
I'm sure he's really <laughs> glad to have that conversation with you and get that feedback. Um, so what did Dr. Google say about effective communication? Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, be a good listener. So active listening. Um, for me, active listening is always, always about just really hearing what the other person is saying. And then I, a skill that we've been practicing lately is mirroring, which in mm, which you say yeah. back to someone, I've heard this, is is that correct? So yep. what I'm telling you back is, mm-hmm. is that what you're trying to communicate? And then the person can just say yes and, or they can go, yes, you've got it, or no, not quite. Mm-hmm. And then they can expand on that so that you make sure mm-hmm. that you're actually hearing someone and you're interpreting it in a way that is like, yes, that's how I feel. The second one is body language. Now, your body language needs to match your tone. So if you're feeling super uncomfortable, but you're like arms are open and wide like that, there's a mismatch there. So being able to make sure that if you are feeling uncomfortable, it's like your body language matches, which I know I've probably gone about it in the opposite way because a lot of people would think, um, you know, of a different way of that being communicated. Um, But yeah, Mm. body language, another thing to look out for. Um, using language depending on your audience. So you wouldn't speak to a five or a six-year-old in super technical jargon because they just wouldn't relate or understand. So making sure the people that you're communicating to Mm -hmm. can actually understand the information that you're trying to convey to them. Yep. Then, this is one I struggle with, but that's okay. Uh, Be brief. Less is more. Try not to overemphasize or explain things. Yes. So that people can ask more questions, right? Oh, um, no, that's the one that I wish more people spend more time um, <laughs> learning. I guess uh, for me, as like an overthinker and a fast thinker, quite a lot of the time, by the time that someone gets to the point of their story or whatever, you mentally you dropped out. Like I'm just gone from the conversation because of, it's taken so long to get to that point. I think for a lot of people, they get hung up on details that don't matter. Um, at least for the progress of the story. Mm-hmm. Like when people are trying to remember a story about something they did last Christmas and then they're trying to remember the exact color of the car that drove past them on the Christmas thing and it has nothing to do with the story they're telling you, but they really want to remember that piece. As a, as an audience member to that, you're like, I do not care about mm-hmm. the color of that car. What is it that you're trying to tell me? Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people really struggle with. Sometimes me too. Just end up talking for too long. I guess there's different um, learners. You know how some people learn kinesthetically, some people mm-hmm. learn by singing. I, I wonder if sometimes the way that people communicate in such detail, that stuff that you're like, why is that relevant? That doesn't seem part of the story at all. Maybe for them it does hold some meaning that helps to remind them mm-hmm. of the commu- of the story they're trying to communicate. I'm just trying to look at it from other perspectives of why yeah. that might be the case. I actually think that there's um, – I think there's actually terminology for that. Um, Some people, obviously different people weight things differently. Mm -hmm. And so some people are really detail orientated. Um, If I think about this in marketing sense, um, there's a couple of terms that I've heard recently. Again, I can't remember them exactly. But when you're presenting information to different customers, different customers require the information in a different way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Depending on how warm they are. (laughs) No, not even that. Just the way of their personality and what they weight things on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, for example, some people, super detail orientated. Mm -hmm. They want to know how, like let's say videos, for example, how many of the thing am I getting? How are you going to go about doing the thing? Um, How long does each thing go for? Um, All of the really like specific details of a thing other people are a bit more just what does this mean for me what's the kind of deal that we're going to go for how long is it going to take cool very like high level um information that they need but for them it's more about um the outcome Mm -hmm. rather than the actual specifics of going into the thing um and then you've got the other another group of people which i can't remember the term for it's like bulldog or something like this but people who just want don't want to go through all the nitty-gritty, barely even want to know the high level. They just want you to send them the information as quickly as humanly possible. They'll make a decision. They'll get back to you mm. nearly immediately. They're yeah. just like, send me everything. I'll sort it out in my head. Catch you later. Yeah. Um, they're the ones that I struggle the most with just because it doesn't align with the way that I like to um, do things. But 
you know, there's again, it just drives back to that. Um, different people weight different parts of things differently, mm. uh, which again comes back to that storytelling of like why some people get super caught up on details mm. um, and other people are just kind of cruise by. Yeah, yeah. And then the last thing Dr. Google has mm-hmm. shared as its wisdom is ask for feedback, which I think was really good. As a part of effective communication? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Ask for feedback. In what way? As in, I guess to me, it looks like mirroring. So um, so what I've said is this, do you understand? Or, mm-hmm. hey, um, in the way that I just had that conversation, did, did you feel like you connected to it? I and mean, sometimes you can pick up on those things in the way that people respond and the way that people then go ahead and continue the conversation. But, I mean, it's a pretty brave thing to ask feedback. Not everyone does. That's... Sh- that's true. Not everyone does ask for feedback. Quite a lot of people are given the opportunity um, to receive feedback or seek feedback, especially in the work environment. It's become pretty commonplace in a lot of work environments to have KPIs and feedback sessions as part of it. Mm-hmm. Whether people have learnt to receive feedback um, is a different thing, but I can understand that being an important part of effective to be honest, it actually doesn't really sound like effective communication to me. That sounds like just a really good advice for growth. Mm. Um, not so much whether you're having an effective communication with someone. But it's not just one-sided. It's two people in a communication. So to get the feedback on, hey, how did I go? Or do you think I did this in a way that you could understand? I think if you're talking about that in the case of, say, mirroring, I think mirroring is probably one of the best things that I've probably learned more about this year, especially um, mirroring as a technique, as Amy said before, was um, when you finish a conversation with someone or someone says something to you, you go, hey, just to make sure that I'm on the same page, this is what I've heard. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And give people the opportunity to be like, no, that is not what I said. It's this. Um, as well as it lets you pick up nuances because mm. if you go, just do like here's an exercise for people to go and do like immediately is someone that you're really comfortable with, like your best friend, your partner, whoever, um, have a bit of a dialogue with them and be like, hey, this is something that I really enjoy and here's why I enjoy it and go on for a little bit about it and then get them to tell you back what they heard. Mm. It's super interesting because we've all got our own different inputs. We've all got a different idea of what's important to us. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes what you get back from the other person in terms of what they think that you were saying, completely different. Mm -hmm. And the things that um, they potentially emphasize are actually the things that aren't important to you whatsoever. And they're just details that happen to be as part of the story. And they're like, oh, so, you know, you really like surfing and, and because you're like surfing, you want to get out on the waves all the time. But you're like, no, I told you I like surfing because it allows me to be on my own and allows me to think about things in my head. And that to you might actually be the strong, like what's really important about that aspect of it. And you want them to understand that you like being on your own and being able to think through things. Mm. Um, that's a really good exercise that people should go do immediately. Yeah. Really, once you really under, like get a slap in the face idea of how what we put out there and how it's received can be so vastly different mm. um, it then really wakes you up to wanting to actively ask people for confirmation on what they've said like me as a as a business owner it's something that I incorporate now into everything and it seems pretty like basic that you'd ask people for clarification on things mm. but sometimes you just feel like you don't want to you don't want to slow other people down and you want people to think that You've just understood everything. Um, But then it ends up slowing you down in the long run anyway if you end up saying something that doesn't relate to them or whatever. Um, And so that mirroring aspect of things is something that I've brought into like literally my Mm -hmm. day-to-day to be like, hey, you've told me that you're having X, Y, Z problem and this is how it's kind of making you feel. Is that correct? Have I got that right? Mm -hmm. And people be like, yeah, 100%. Like, okay, cool. Now we can move forward because we're both on On the the same same page page here. Yeah. Move forward. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great observation and I'm glad you're using it in your day-to-day because uh, communication is everything and it, and it's in all circumstances. It's not only in, you know, relationship, partnership, family, work. It's everything. It, it, it makes the world go around. 
essentially. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Now, one thing I wanted to bring up, Flynn, um, is you notice a tendency within me. And I'm going to call mm. myself out here and put my vulnerability on the table. Okay. Because uh, I think it's important to do that. And that's very much like a big core of like myself is, you know, obviously I'm quite a reflective person and always want to do better. Mm. But uh, Flynn has noticed that what I do in some social interactions is that when I speak to a group, I will shift my body towards him and speak to him. And when I first heard it, mm. I got quite, quite defensive because I was just like, well, I think that's just because I'm most comfortable with you, especially makes sense. with people that maybe I don't know as well as mm-hmm. you. Uh, it could be just that I'm, I'm sort of naturally looking for a bit of validation mm-hmm. from you. And again, part of me is like, what's wrong with that? Like, I just, you know, I love my man. Like, I just want him to be <laughs> like, yeah, that's my girl. I, I know that sounds cheesy. Um, but now having a little bit of reflection on that, I wonder if it comes from a tiny little bit of uh, social awkwardness for me or perhaps maybe a confidence thing. Maybe I don't fully yet feel um, comfortable being seen and I know that I feel comfortable being seen and heard from you. Maybe mm. I'm just quite not at that stage where I feel like I can I can really do that to others and maybe I do look for that validation from Use you. Use me as a lifeboat. Yeah, look, which I think it's it's a – I can see why I would do it, but at the same time, I just wonder if it might hold me back from forming connections with people and I don't want that to hold me back in life. So – That's an interesting thought. And I would never want anyone to think I was being rude by doing it because it's so subconscious. When you (laughs) pulled me up on it, I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, why is this a problem? (laughs) But it's like, no, Amy, I actually have to think about this because I guess – and I don't want to people please everyone and make sure that I make everyone feel like the most important person in the room. But I also don't want to um, alienate people from thinking that they could ever really, you know, form a deep connection with me um, because maybe I do hold myself back a little bit. So super mm. interesting take on it. Mm. I think when I noticed it that you're doing it, my immediate thought was that I was worried that potentially because you've got some great stories and some great. Um, things that you've done in the past that I think a lot of people could get a lot of value from. And I'd hate for those stories not to land because the people that you were speaking to didn't feel like you were speaking to them. Mm. That was, that's my only story about it. I also thought in a group environment, it's like, who do I look at? <laughs> Cause there's like, whoever's of, paying the most there's, attention. There's lots of people. <laughs> Whereas when other people are talking, I like, you know, put my attention direct on them. I'm very much like mm. move my head towards them. So I thought it was a good, uh, thing to notice and I do I do want to continue to get better at it mm. and maybe start being like it's okay to open up to people even if you don't know them 100% you know at least give them the opportunity to form a connection with you um, so Flynn one thing I thought maybe if you could help me out in this oh. is just like squeeze my leg under the table or something when you notice me doing it because mm-hmm. that will probably gently remind me to be like Amy it's okay. You can open up to people regardless of whether they actually um, reciprocate that or like really, you know, you really feel like that that it's something that has been mm-hmm. uh, warmly accepted. It's like, no, just, just keep trying, keep doing it because if you just keep doing it the other way, that's probably not going to help you to, to grow as a person. It's going to help you stay in your comfort zone. And I'm all about moving outside of my comfort zone, even if it's only little by little. Sure, I'd be super interested to know whether you see, like happy to do that, um, but I'd be super interested to see whether over time, whether you notice that you get more airplay because of it. Like you get more opportunity to speak. To speak, yeah, yeah. Well, I think gen- in general in group dynamics, I prefer like one-on-ones mm-hmm. because I find I'm a little bit of a softer personality and when there's really strong personalities, I'll try and interject, but I'm like, is now the right time to jump mm-hmm. into this conversation? And I never want to seem rude, but I'm also like, I have something really cool to say, but you know, what happens if it doesn't land or people don't push, shift their attention towards me? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a middle child thing. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, some some worth it. But I'd love yeah. to know if anyone has any hot tips around something you said before about who do you look at in a group situation. Yeah. I personally, stare? I <laughs> just like staring at everyone, my <laughs> like wide eyed. No, I think I genuinely speaking will latch onto the person who 
is seems the most engaged in okay. what it is you're talking about or if mm. you're directing a story at a person you speak to that person let everyone else kind of pick it up mm. um, around them or shift around or make eye contact well, you, it's so interesting though it's I know where so you're going. interesting I know where you're going. <laughs> yeah it's so interesting though that you feel uncomfortable in that kind of group environment but then you quite happily speak to quite large audiences mm. for work like yes. you're speaking to 40 or 50 people at a time through work that gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't mm. want. I don't have a very much of an interest in um, public speaking. Public, well, I don't mm. have a uh, experience with public speaking. It's always been a nightmare for me. Yeah. So I find it really interesting that the group dyma- dynamic puts you on edge, but then mm. large audiences not so much. Who do you look at in large audiences? So this is why I did take an, some notes about this, and I mm. thought it was interesting, and I'm glad you brought it up. So when I am speaking in a in-person presentation so for my work I have to do 30 minute uh, canvas slide all about uh, mental health Uh, what I do in those situations number one I think I have a lot of the power because the attention is on me no one can really start interjecting halfway through unless they've got a question and they raise their hand but it's a very much like I'm in the position of power in that Mm -hmm. so there's that safety net but what I do um when trying to connect with the audience is I find about four or five people, they are my, I call them my safe spaces Mm -hmm. and they're people that I just connect with in the audience that have very open body language that I can tell they're listening to me and they're giving Mm -hmm. me their full attention. So for me, they're a safe space. If I notice someone in the crowd and they're like on their phone or not really, you just tell they're not really there. They're like looking, but they're like looking away I don't feel safe with those people. Whereas people who are actually looking like they're yeah. absorbing the information, I come back to them. So okay. I find about four or five people in different parts of the room that have got a nice face <laughs> and I come back to them and I talk to them. Yeah, And that's the way that I feel it makes it less robotic. I'm not just mm-hmm. looking at dead at the back of the room at nothing. I'm not just looking at my notes. Yeah. I find my comfort people. And I wonder if for me and my brain mm-hmm. and my body, you are my comfort person in these situations. Yeah, maybe. Mm. That would make a lot of sense. That's yeah. super interesting. Yeah. That kind of approach to it. I wonder if that's potentially what we need to do. Um, let's have a clue for a group environment is to find one or two. Rather, if there's five people at a table, it's true. two people need <laughs> two to be. Two people, two safe spaces. Safe spaces. That are not people. Flynn. That are me. <laughs> yeah. It's fair. Yeah. More than happy to be a safe space though. Thank but you. But something that I want to talk about with um, effective communication, although you had some questions I think you mentioned that you wanted to ask me. Have those already been asked? Yeah, we've got through everything. Oh. Beautiful. Um, (laughs) One thing that I just wanted to kind of make uh, effective communication to me is just so paramount Mm -hmm. to like navigating this life. Um, And I think it's super important to try to share a little bit of what um, tools or techniques and things that we've found for effectively communicating and just reiterating that to really ram it home. Um, I think for me, effective communication, like right at this very moment, is one of my three big rocks for things that I'm kind of focusing on over the Mm -hmm. next quarter um, because with the business going the way that it is, I'm finding myself in more leadership positions Mm -hmm. that require me to be a leader and effectively communicate with other people. Um, and so that's why for me it's become such an interesting topic um, mm-hmm. to go and research around understanding um, how to more effectively communicate with people and through some of the stuff that read online and follow people and all these kind of things. Um, there's been a couple of things that I've ascertained um, from on how to communicate effectively. And like the biggest one that has really changed my day to day is that mirroring, mm-hmm. um, as we spoke about before kind of taking that opportunity to just clarify that what you've heard is what another person has said. Another thing as well is listening. And that's something that sometimes I'll be first to admit that sometimes I struggle with is being fully present and listening to another person and giving them the opportunity um, to speak and go through things. Um, But someone said it where when you're – I actually think it might have been Jocko of all people – on one of his podcasts, mm. um, I think he was in the Special Forces or something. Yeah. But um, anyway, he was talking about how, as a leader, if you are running the brief, talking and just downloading information to people, it means that you aren't able to gauge 
what other people are thinking, what other people are feeling, uh, because you're too busy thinking about the thing that you're talking about, mm -hmm. which just on a literal sense, like just seems to align with what I can understand of a conversation. Like if I'm just talking to you like I am right now, it's very difficult for me to also think about how you're feeling while I'm thinking about what it is that I'm trying to say. Mm. Whereas when you're listening and you sit back and you let other people have a turn, uh, talk about what it is that they're feeling, then you can observe. You can hear the language that they're using. Mm -hmm. You can hear the tones they're doing. And it also allows you to regulate. Yes. So when you're yeah. listening, you're able to regulate your own reaction to mm -hmm. things, whether it's directed at you or other stuff, but it allows you to better. It's another great analogy from this is that you sometimes when you're drowning, you can't see the like you can't see the banks because you're too busy drowning to actually pop your head up and notice that the mm -hmm. shore is just there. Yeah. And I think that's true in conversations as well. And you're talking about like conflict resolution. Um, sometimes when you're so in the thick of the conversation, you can't actually be able to take that opportunity to take a step back and check yourself or see where the direction of that conversation is going. And so I found that the biggest thing that keeps getting mentioned over and over and over and over and over for effective communication is actually stop communicating and start listening to what the other person's actually saying. Yeah. Um, that was probably like my two biggest takeaways is seeking clarification and actually listening to people so that you can stop mm. engage what it is that they're actually trying to say. Definitely. And I think that for me sounds like doing the work on yourself and what triggers you and your self-regulation when you might be mm. hearing something or hearing some feedback that really like, you know, hits in the heart or something mm -hmm. like that. And it, being able to take that step back of like, okay, I need to just listen to what this person's saying. I need to just put my feelings aside for just a hot minute and mm -hmm. really listen, take that on board and then go and, you know, self-soothe my, you know, activated inner child. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's 100% a skill yeah. that, you know, um, repetition. we, we all can learn from and something mm. I'm still very much working on and it sounds like something that you, you're really you always be You'll always yeah. be working on it. I think it's something that you can all... You can never get 100% right all the time. And no. so you're always looking for better ways um, to improve that. But, man, if when you see people who can communicate effectively, it's a real beautiful thing. Mm, it's, really, very, it's very attractive. Well, it's very attractive. <laughs> but then it's also you can just see that like the front of a ship is angled and it pushes water to the side so it can better slice through. Mm. You can just see those people and their effective communication being the front of their ship and it's allowing them to slice their way to their destination so much smoother mm. than people who can't and have to constantly fight battles yeah. to get to where they want to um, go. Mm. And so it's super um, interesting. But I'm just saying, like, wanted to touch one extra thing in there about um, doing the work. I think that really stems from, for me personally, I believe that the only thing that you can truly control is yourself. Mm -hmm. And so if you come in with the belief that you can only control yourself, then that's usually a pretty good way of driving change because I can't change the way you show up in a situation, mm -hmm. but I can show, change the way that I show up in a situation, mm -hmm. which may result in a different outcome yeah. for the other people around me. But mm -hmm. the change to always has to start with yourself yeah and the eye yeah personal cool. responsibility mm. Sam. excellent got anything else to add about effective communication i think i think we've had a really good conversation yeah. today i think it's been really great and whether it's effective or not or no well hey <laughs> it's open to interpretation it's subjective um i hope this podcast today helps you to reflect on maybe perhaps some of the ways that you've been ineffectively or effectively communicating pat yourself on the back if you feel you, like any of these are your you know something you really are great points. at yeah. strong points and then also maybe just give other people compassion if they're not quite there yet because look hey we've all been at that stage and there's some elements that we're all still growing in so if we can you know um i guess in situations just give people benefit of the doubt they're doing the best that they can mm -hmm. and maybe even use some situations where it didn't go so great it's like ah that's highlighted to me how i don't want to show up yeah. i think that's the beauty of life that contrast that other people can show you helps you to really be like i'm gonna not do that 
Definitely. If you've been down the path of um, exploring effective communication yourself and you've found some great resources, please do share them with us. Yes. Leave us a comment on any of the social channels that we're currently engaged in. I think the main one's probably going to be Instagram, mm-hmm. um, but we're everywhere. So feel free to um, leave us a comment. And as always, like, share, subscribe, send me fan mail, do whatever it is you need to do to uh, support the uh, podcast. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you on the next episode. Constructive feedback is open. Um, no, it's not. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's open to me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. See ya. Bye. Noise.